Well, we are glad you're here. I want to show you a picture of a group of men. These uh, handsome gentlemen are known as the Super Bowl Five. And a while ago, they did an in, uh, interview with the Today Show and tell, told their story. And it's really fascinating. They have been to every single Super Bowl since the beginning, over 50 Super Bowls all together. Isn't that amazing? All five of them. It is impressive. So they've been to every single Super Bowl, and they've been through some ups and downs, but they came up actually with one rule regarding this trip that they take every year. You know what it is? No wives allowed. I don't know what that means, like what they're hiding or something, but it's like eight-year-olds in a treehouse, like guys never change, you know, no girls allowed. It just never changes. So they've been to every, every single Super Bowl, and it's interesting when you listen to them. They've, they've gone through some things, and they'll tell a story about one year, one of their uh, fathers passed away, probably in the 80s, and he said he wasn't going to go. It was a week before the Super Bowl. His dad passed away. His heart was broken. He was devastated, and he wasn't going to go, but the four other men talked him into it, said, we've made a commitment. We're devoted to this, to do this every single year. We don't want to break the streak. And they talked him into going. He said he went to that Super Bowl with a very heavy heart, but he didn't want to let the other four down. And then one of them tells a story that he owns a construction business. And the construction business was going on on a downward spiral. It was during a recession, and they were losing money left and right. He couldn't pay uh, this particular year for the flights, the hotels, uh, the food, the ticket, all those things. He couldn't afford it. And so he told the men, guys, I just can't pull it off this year. You'll have to go without me. And so, of course, the four other men decide that's not happening. And they pitch in and they pay for every piece of money that was owed for the trip for this man. They paid all of it so that he could join them on the trip with them. They are dedicated to this. And you listen to them, and there was one quote that stood out to me above all the rest. As they're telling their story and 50-plus uh, trips together every year, all five of them. And one of the men said this, and it really struck me. He said, we are devoted to each other, and we are devoted to the Super Bowl. And I found it so fascinating uh, what we find, how we find ways to connect with each other, to have close, tight-knit relationships. And you probably see that, and we're impressed by it, because every single one of us love the idea of having healthy, tight-knit relationships, don't we? We love connection. And today we're talking in our series, Dream On, about the dream of connection. Because every one of us wants to be valued, every one of us wants to be loved, we want our marriage to have a healthy connection. We want our friendships to be a healthy place of connection in our families, at our workplace, in all places of life. We want to be loved and valued and cared for and thought about, right? We all dream about that. And so you even, you'll do that with your families, right? I have three daughters at four years old three-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old. And so I know I have to pay for three weddings, but God will provide. Amen? Amen. All right. I just, just remind myself of my future sometimes. Just a personal thing. Um, and so I have a, my oldest daughter. She fell in love with this TV show called The Octonauts. Any parents in the room? Octonauts? They are an underwater brigade of animals animated series that goes out and searches the underwater ocean. This is my life, okay? And I'm pumped about it. Uh, but she fell in love with it, just really uh, just immersed herself in these characters. And so one day, I, didn't, I wasn't that familiar with it, uh, but 
I'm trying to connect with my daughter. I come home, and she, she had uh, basically given each person in our family, all five of us, associated us with one of the characters. And so, of course, Harper, the oldest daughter, she is Captain Barnacles, the polar bear that is in charge. Harper is in charge of our family, right? And so she assigns Quasi the cat, the crazy one, to our middle child, which is spot on, baby. <laughs> that fits. It's perfect. And then our youngest uh, Skyler, she's given associated with Tunip the carrot that cooks for everyone. It's fascinating. Are you enjoying this, right? Uh, and so then I go, all right, Harper, well, I'm getting engaged. And I said, well, who's mommy? My wife's blonde and fair-skinned. She goes, oh, she's uh, Peso the Spanish penguin, which <laughs> perfect fit. She took Spanish in high school. You know, she's got it. And so it's building up to she's really excited to tell me who daddy is, all right? And I'm visualizing this great white shark, man, that just protects the octonauts from, you know, being extinct and all this and the great giant octopus. And I'm like, all right, I'll go there. Harper, who is daddy? And she looks at me and she says, daddy, you're tweak. says, tweak? (laughs) I'm like, like, all right, Heather, I asked my wife, like, what's tweak? She goes, oh, yeah. Tweak's the uh, female bunny. (laughs) What? What is my, like, I'm a a house full of women, and that's what they think of me, the female. Is this what my child sees me as, the female bunny? I'm like, the the bunny wears a pink headband. You know what I mean? I'm just picturing, like, what a letdown. And so I find out later, it's because Tweak is the mechanic and Daddy fixes things. Yeah. Aw. Yeah, get your Kleenex, right? It's awesome. <laughs> and so I'll take that. You know, I'll do that. So for six months, because I wanted to connect, even with my four-year-old daughter, I'll come down to where she's at. And they called me Tweak for six months, even my wife. It was weird. But I went with it, right? I even wore a pink headband. That's another day. No pictures or anything. But... Because you, we get that, right? We want to connect with people. We want to have healthy, strong relationships. We want to know we connect, we're valued, we love one another because relationships and connection move us forward. And it helps us feel something that we need. In fact, we know this, this is intrinsic within us, the need and the dream to have healthy relationships because it's the first problem that God solved all the way back in Genesis. He created all these things and everything was what? It was good. The sun, the stars, the moon, the water, the sky, the light, all of these things. And then he made man. And the first thing God said was not good was that he saw that man was alone. And so he created Eve. And he created what we call a relationship and a connection. And from that point, you and I have been dreaming of. And not only that, we've been craving healthy connections. I think it goes even further than that because if we, if we dream of connection, then we fear something. We fear isolation. And every single one of us in the room, none of us want to feel like we are going through life alone. That, that scares us, that people don't notice us, that you, you can, you know this, you can even feel isolated or alone in a marriage or in your family, or at work, or even in friendships, you can feel like you're forgotten about, that people don't care about you, people don't listen to you, people don't know you or notice you, and all those things. We hate the idea of feeling alone. And I'll never forget, I was 10 years old, and I went to a a summer camp, a day camp, because both my parents worked called Camp Friendship. I think my parents thought I needed help making friends. I don't know. But we'll go to Camp Friendship, and we're in there, and I remember, I'd been there like five years in a row, 
And I walk into the room on the first day of summer camp, excited and, and hopeful of all these, what it's going to be like and fun. And I walk into the room, and there's about 70 people running around in the gymnasium. And there's counselors, and there's, uh, there's kids, and running and having fun. And I have my little lunchbox and my shorts ready to play. And I realized in that moment, this fear came over me because I didn't recognize anyone. And I was in a room full of people that looked like they knew they belonged and looked like they all were connected and they all had friends and they were all comfortable. But I felt like I was the only one that didn't fit there. And maybe you've been there. You've been in a place in your, in your, in your home, in your workplace, at school, and you felt isolated. We hate the idea of isolation, so we dream of connection. And so you think about it. Who in the Bible would know something about isolation? You think about the Apostle Paul. And Paul was commissioned by God in an amazing way to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the entire world. To take it from the Jews all the way to the Gentiles and to spread this incredible message that Jesus loves the world. And so on that journey, he comes across some persecution and people hate him because he's a Christian and it lands him in prison. In fact, he writes some of his letters from a prison cell all alone. And one of the things he says that strikes me about Paul's writings is that what refreshes him the most when he's alone in prison is when someone has uh, the desire to come and visit him because he feels so isolated and forgotten and alone. And he says, it's refreshing to my soul when someone remembers me and decides to come and visit me. And so Paul gets this idea of of isolation. So today we're in the book of Romans. Romans 16, if you want to follow along in the app, we're going to go through some scriptures. But here's the deal about Romans. If you've never uh, read Romans, if you've never been through it, it's a fascinating book and people love it because it's so theologically strong. It talks about salvation and sin and redemption and justification and sanctification. I mean, if you're looking for something deep and you want to dig into what we believe and why we believe it, Romans is the book for you. Here's how incredibly powerful these words are. There's 16 chapters, and there's these three theologians, basically people that talk about Christianity and have written so much on what we believe, and it's really impacted the world uh, with what they've found through Scripture. John Wesley and Augustine and another one has a theologian gave their life to Christ simply by reading the book of Romans. Augustine, you've probably heard of him, he read Romans chapter 13 and decided to give his life to Jesus simply because of those words. Martin Luther was the other one, read Romans and gave his life to Christ simply by reading the book. It is a powerful text. Which brings me to the ending of this, of this book, Romans chapter 16. You've got 15 chapters, all this knowledge and theology and information. It is powerful. And so you ask the question, well, how does Paul end this letter he wrote to the church in Rome? Well, it's crazy because what he does is he just ends this fascinating book with a list of names. It's just a list of people in the church. It's like you've, you've watched your favorite movie and the anticipation is building and building and you want to see the ending. And it's like the ending to the story is the credits start to roll. And you're like, what is Paul trying to accomplish? How does it end like that? It seems anticlimactic. But here's what I think Paul is trying to tell you and I is that connection is 
essential to the church. It's essential. And so he ends it by listing these names. And I want to take you through three different pieces of the puzzle that he paints in the book of Romans, chapter 16. And we're going to start with this. He talks about healthy connections that you and I dream of. And he begins with what the source of connections should be. And here's what he says. There's three verses that I just want to illuminate for us. And they say the same thing that's a thread through the scripture. He says, greet Ampliatus, my dear friend, where? In the Lord. Verse 11, greet Herodian, who's tied to King Herod, who's royalty. Herodias is, uh, Herodian is a believer now. My fellow Jew, greet those in the household of Narcissus, you love that name, who are where? In the Lord. Verse 13, greet Rufus, chosen where? In the Lord. And so what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that the source of a healthy connection is found in the Lord. Ten times through the first 16 verses of Romans chapter 16, he says, in Christ or in the Lord associated with a person's name to paint this picture that if a Super Bowl can bring five guys together to spend a lot of money for 50 plus years to go watch a game, if a game and a sport is powerful enough to bring people together to do that over the course of 50 years, I think what Paul's trying to say is that we have a more powerful source that brings Christians together, and it's because we are united in this place because of one thing, and that is Jesus. And he paints that picture. They are in the Lord. They are in Jesus. And all these different people with all these different backgrounds are brought together by one source, and it's Christ. You see, connections lead us to do something powerful together. And Paul's trying to paint the picture. This church is being planted in Rome. Do you think God wants to bring you together so it will impact that city in the name of Christ? So he says, healthy connections, church, it's built on the source of Christ. And so here's some application for you. He kind of goes through some verses here in a minute about what healthy and quality connections look like. And I want to run through these quickly. There's five different scriptures that paint a picture of what healthy relationships in the church look like. And here's how he starts. It's pretty fascinating. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe. So he starts with a woman. A female, and Phoebe's actually the woman that carries this letter. Paul's actually never even been to the church in Rome. He gives the letter to Phoebe to take, to read, and to distribute to the people and the Christians in Rome. And look at what he says. Phoebe is a deacon of the church in Centria. And so right off the bat, Paul is kind of stripping away the things that separate us. The word deacon, maybe in your Bible says servant, it's translated in the Greek diakonos, which means deacon or deaconess, which is also translated to mean minister. And so he elevates in the first verse a woman as a minister of the gospel. And I love what Ethan said in talking about judgment during communion and what kind of separates us in our culture. And you see it in all these different races and genders and all these different things of why we separate from one another and the barriers to relationship and connection that's healthy. And Paul's saying, listen, this woman has a high elevation in the church, and he's breaking the cultural norms. He says, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. What's he saying? That healthy connections, we receive one another. Regardless of your background, regardless of how long you've been a Christian or what you look like, 
or even what type of worship you may like or where you work or where you're from. All those things. He's saying a healthy church, healthy connections. We receive one another in the name of Jesus, regardless of your story. You belong here as a believer. You belong in the church community. He continues, verse 3 and 4. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but the, the church and the Gentiles are grateful for them. What's he saying? That we lay down our lives for one another. Quality relationships are not selfish. They're sacrificial. Right? A marriage lasts when two people are not selfish in that relationship. They're sacrificial to one another. And Paul's saying we have these people that know how to sacrifice themselves to build something strong, to create healthy relationships. And do you have people in your life that will lay down their life for you? And you start to think about this. Do I lay down my life to build up other people? Do I have healthy connections? And he continues to the third one. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. And they were in Christ before I was. And he says, we share in each other's struggles. Who's praying for you in your life and what you're struggling with? Do you have people you can be authentic with in what is hard for you? Do you have people that you can be genuine about what hurts and what's struggling and what you don't have the answers for? Do you have people in the context of this church community? I mean, you just think about it. Just look around. There's thousands of people that walk into this church Every Sunday, do you still feel alone? Do you, do you still feel isolated in your life? Look at the resource that God has given us as he's brought us together in the name of Jesus. We are meant to not live life alone. We bear each other's burdens. We share each other's struggles so that we don't have to feel isolated in the context of our faith in our life. So he's saying, church, pray for each other. Listen to one another. Who are you praying for? In the context of this community. And he continues. He says, greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ. And my dear friend Stachys, we share in the same mission. And this is what's interesting. So he starts to shift and he starts to say that it's not just about us. That you have a mission that God has given you. This is where it gets exciting. He kind of takes it off of us individually and, and what we need. And he's kind of saying, hey church, I've, God's brought all these people together from different backgrounds You've got different stories and different interests, but God has put you together for a purpose that is bigger than you. You even think about your life. Do you have people you're connected with that, that are helping you have a stronger marriage? That are helping you be more effective in your workplace as a leader? As a parent, are you teaming up with people around you that help you become a stronger leader in Christ for your kids? He's saying we have a mission. We're not just doing life and going day by day. We have a purpose to our life, and we have a purpose to this church to come together to do something great. And you start to think, are the people that I'm connected with furthering my mission that God has given me? And the last one he mentions, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, the fourth and fifth names of my daughters, by the way, if I ever have them. Uh, those... <laughs> Just kidding. Those women who work hard in the Lord, greet my dear friend Percy's another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. And so he's saying, we work hard in the name of the Lord. Healthy connection is we are working together to do something great for God. 
in the context of the church that has come together for Christ. And so then he kind of changes the tone. Paul flips it. He doesn't just leave it there like, oh, what are healthy connections? And that's pretty and nice. He actually changes the tone to talk about what unhealthy connections and what unhealthy people look like that can break up what God wants to do in this place. Here's what he says, verse 17 through 19. Listen to how strong he words this. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Listen, he says, keep away from them. Healthy connections in your life are so important. You need to identify the people that will pull you away from the mission and the focus that God has given your life and in this church because they are destructive to where God is taking you. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites by smooth talk and flattery. They deceive the minds of people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And so he says, watch out. There are people that will get in the way of what God wants to do in your life and in the life of this church. And just to break it down, there's three different things to look for. He says to be aware of people who are divisive, people who are distracting, and people who are deceitful. Do you know anybody like that? Don't look at the person next to you, please, okay? Uh, We know that. There's people that will distract you from what God wants to do in your life. There will people that deceive you to, to make you think lies about yourself and what you're capable of and what your marriage is meant to look like and what your kids are supposed to look like. There are ideas and people that will come in and divide you from what God wants to do. And so that's what healthy connection is supposed to avoid. But here's what I think is most important. The third section of this is the necessity of connection. Why is this so necessary to us? And here's what I think Paul is trying to say to us. And I believe it is so powerful in the context of this scripture. He says, your connections impact your mission. You have a mission in your life. We have, we have a mission as the church. Are you connected to people that continue you on your mission that God has laid in front of you? I started thinking about this this week. And I started to look back at my family and and the the story of our family. We've been at Harborside for 16 years. It's been a long time. We've seen God work in so many ways. But I remember, I was thinking, how important is connecting in this place, really? And I was thinking back to my parents. I started here when I was in ninth grade. And what we used to do at Harborside is we would walk into these doors and we would sit in these chairs And we would immediately leave afterwards, and we'd go to lunch, and we'd talk about it for about five or ten minutes, however long I was interested as a teenager, and then we'd kind of go about our business, right? We'd just sit in here, and we'd listen, and we'd take the information, and then we'd go. And it didn't change the game for us. The messages were powerful. The information was great, but it didn't really change a whole lot in our family. My parents have been married for over 30 years, and just like every marriage, they've had their ups. They've had their downs. They've had their peaks. They've had their valleys. It's been 30 plus years of a journey. And so what changed the game in their life? Why are they 30 plus years in better off in their marriage now than they ever were before? And I started to look back at our time at Harborside. And about two years in, they made a decision. They started getting involved in a connect group. 
And on like a Tuesday night, they would go to this, these people's houses. I didn't know. I was a teenager. I didn't know who it was. And they'd have food, and they talked about Jesus. That was it. And the more they invested in that, the more I started to see something in them. The more I started to see a change in their heart, the more I started to see them talk more about God. Not just listen about him, but they started connecting about God and about what we're learning and about what God's doing in their life and what their future looks like and what their purpose is. And then I started to, to see them evolve and they started to host a connect group at their house. And then, you know, I was in 10th and 11th grade. I remember we didn't leave this room and then just get out the back door as quickly as we could. I used to get mad as a teenager. They started to talk to people and I was annoyed. Like, I want food, man. Let's go. You'll see them on Tuesday night at their house. Come on. They're just talking and they're praying for people. And I'm sitting in the lobby like, this is so annoying, you know. And they're just having relationships. And they were happier. And they were more connected in their marriage. And the things we would talk about were more fruitful for my life. And they were investing in me. And all this stuff started to change. You know what I realized? It wasn't the words that they heard from Kurt in this room that was the game changer for me and them. And it wasn't a game changer for me when they said, hey, Griffin, uh, the Bible's important. You should read it. And hey, prayer is, is awesome. You, sh you, you should pray because God's going to show up in your life. And they said that, but it didn't change the game. Can I encourage a parent in this room? As a teenager, you know what changed the game for me? It's when my parents didn't talk about it. They did it. They did it. They started investing in relationships. They stopped doing this life and this Christianity thing on their own. They started connecting with people and people were praying for them and people were pouring into them and they were sharing in each other's struggles. They got received by a group of people that cared for them immediately in the context of a church that is united through Christ. And everything started to change. And so you know what? When it came time for me to grow in my faith as a teenager and in college, you know what I look back on? You know what? Man, everything changed when they started having connection. And so I went after it myself. And it changed the game for my family because we weren't doing it alone. And so why does Paul end Romans 16 Romans, this incredible book, why does he end it with a list of names? Because without the names, Romans is just a bunch of knowledge. The names make up the church. The names are meant to come together and to take that knowledge and do something powerful with it. And you know what happens? He's telling the church in Rome, hey, Rome's kind of a big deal. There's a lot of influence and a lot of powerful people here. And the stronger you are together and the more God unites you as a community of Christians and you figure it out together and you pray for each other and you love each other and share in each other's struggles, God's going to do something through you in the walls but also outside of the walls in Rome. And through those relationships and through this church, this church will be a city on the hill, a light of the world to the city of Rome, and they will see that God is doing something powerful. It's the same for Harborside Christian Church. You talk five minutes with our senior pastor, Kurt Parker, he will tell you that God wants to use Harborside to change this city, Safety Harbor. He's going to do it. And you know when it's going to happen? 
the quicker we come together and the stronger our connections are with one another. You look at this in Romans. You look at all these names. Why does he end it with names? Because it's meant to be a community. Look at this. He's got 26 individuals. Eight of them are slaves or former slaves. Eight of them were women, wealthy people, poor people, Jews, Greeks, Romans, royalty. It's like, hey, when you have the source of Christ, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or what you look like, how old you are, how young you are, if you think you can do something for God. When we come together, God will do something great. We have a mission, church. He wants to use you and he wants to help you and he wants to grow you. He wants us to have healthy connections because it will change the world. Are you a part of that mission? I want to ask you to stand as we close, and I want to invite prayer partners forward. And I have one simple question for you. You're in a room full of, there's a thousand people at Harborside right now. Do you still feel alone? In your life, do you feel isolated? Do you feel disconnected? Just take a look around at what God is doing here. God is moving in Harborside. You're here for a reason. And if you feel like you are isolated and you're going through life alone and you're struggling, there are people here to pray for you up front in connect groups. There are leaders that want to love on you and bring you into this community so that you do not feel like you are going through it alone. And the more that happens, and the more we connect with one another, man, what could God do through us? Thousands of people with one powerful source of connection every week is Jesus. He wants to use us to change our community. And my prayer and my hope and my invitation is that you decide to be a part of it. And it starts with connection. Father, you are amazing. And as a a pastor and as a staff member, to know that there are people in the room, a room full of people worshiping Jesus, that some of us feel alone, carrying our own burdens, not knowing where to turn or what to do. God, I pray that they would take a step to get connected, to be loved on, to be cared about, to be noticed, to be listened to. Father, I pray Because, Father, we have the most powerful source of connection in Jesus. The only reason we're here is because you decided to have your only son die on the cross in our place. You have proven your love for us. And, God, as we unite with that in mind, may you use us to do something great. You have a mission for us individually and collectively. Without the names, it's just knowledge. Help us connect. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.